have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them please to 2 Timothy, second chapter, the 15th verse to be specific. This morning we're starting a brand new sermon series that I hope will be very informative to you. It's a sermon series that's talking about, or will be talking about, context. Learning God's Word accurately, correctly, that it might be applied truthfully to our life and the life of those that we share it with. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 a verse that is very common to those who work in our Awana program. Paul, writing to Timothy, says to him and says to us, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. Focus on that word. To show thyself approved unto God. A workman. Focus on that word. A workman, a laborer, that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing. Focus on dividing. The word of truth. Before I go into the message, I like to just do a survey, if I may. Are you ready for the survey? Y'all, y'all get real scared when I give a survey. Y'all think I'm trying to trick you. Uh, no tricks, just a survey. Question, how many of you believe the Bible, the Bible is true? Raise your hand. How many of you believe the Bible that you're holding in your hand is true? Just raise your hand. Okay? Just about every one of you, except those sleeping. When they wake up, tell them to raise their hand. How many of you believe that that Bible you're holding in your hand, which you just raised your hand and said you believe is true, how many of you believe that What is in that Bible that is true is also accurate and correct. It's inerrant, it's infallible, it's absolutely right. Raise your hand. Okay? Just about everybody. Good. Now, having said that, that that Bible that you're holding in your hand, that Bible that's on my podium, that Bible that we all testify is true, that Bible that we all say is accurate and correct and right in every way, do you know that Bible teaches atheism? It says in Psalm 14, there is no God. You can check it out. That's what it says, plain black and white, in English. There is no God. So can I suggest to you the Bible teaches atheism? Can I also suggest to you it teaches socialism? 
Socialism is a type of government that's kissing cousins to communism or fascism. In Acts chapter 2, you know what it says? They sold their possessions and goods and gave them to all men. What was mine is yours. What yours is mine. We're just one big happy family. Nobody owns anything. We just give it all to each other. Socialism is what it says. You know the Bible teaches suicide? The Bible says, Matthew 27, Judas went out and hung himself. And then it says somewhere else, go, you do likewise. You know, the Bible teaches homosexuality. Boy, some of you are looking mighty pale out there. Green, maybe. Because you said the Bible's true. You raised your hand. We got it on film. You gave a testimony. You said you believe the Bible's accurate, it's correct, it's always right. Well, the Bible that you testified is that. In 1 Samuel 18, it says, Jonathan loved David. A man loved another man. That Bible you hold in your hand says that we're not saved by grace. It says we're saved by works. James says in James chapter 2, faith without works is dead. Mark 16 says, he that believes and is baptized, a work shall be saved. What's the problem here? The Bible's true. The Bible's accurate, the Bible's correct, the Bible's always right. And yet I've just demonstrated to you that the Bible teaches atheism, socialism, suicide, homosexuality, and a salvation of works. Listen to me carefully. Because I was being a little facetious, and I think you know that. But the Bible does say that. A text that is taught or preached without context is a pretext to error. A scripture or a text that is taught or preached out of context is a recipe for error that will destroy, and even damn those who believe it. Satan is very clever, and Satan is very cunning. And one of Satan's missions is to destroy the Word of God. He cannot destroy the person of God. So he chooses to destroy... Or, or maybe better said, attack the very Word of God we call the Bible. The way that he chooses to attack it 
has not changed in 6,000 years of human history. What he did to Adam and Eve is what he does today. He's clever, he's cunning, but he's always consistent. What he did then, he does today. How does he attack the Bible? Not by denying the Bible, but by distorting the meaning of the Bible. He takes what God has clearly said, and he muddies the waters of that word with misquotes and misinterpretations. Now remember, what he did in the past is what he's doing today. So if we want to understand what he's doing now, it would be good if we went back and see what he did then. So flip back in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. The book of Genesis is a seedbed of everything that we need to know that will bear fruit later in the scriptures, whether the fruit be good or bad. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see a case study of exactly what I'm trying to get you to understand. That a verse or a scripture or a text that is taught out of context is a pretext to disaster and destruction and death and even damnation. Now, if you have your Bibles and you're at Genesis chapter 3, I want you to back up to Genesis 2 and I want you to look at verse 16 and 17 as we begin. Because in Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17, put your eyes on the Bible. You can listen to me while you look at the Bible. God is going to teach Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, representatives of the human race, he is going to teach them something. This is what God says to them. Now put your eyes on it. The Lord God commanded Adam and Eve, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. You may eat freely of every tree that is in the garden. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now God said that to Adam and Eve. There's thousands of trees in this garden. They bear thousands of different kinds of fruit. Adam and Eve, you can eat off every single tree. You can eat the bananas, you can eat the pears, you can eat the apples, you can eat whatever you want to eat off every tree, every fruit. But there's one tree of the thousand, there's one fruit, of the thousand you cannot eat of. And that is the tree of knowledge, the tree of good and evil. You cannot eat of its fruit. Now that's pretty clear, isn't it? Very clear. This is what God said. Now in Genesis chapter 3, Satan makes his appearance in the Word of God. He comes as a serpent. 
clever, cunning. He comes to Eve, and he engages her in a dialogue concerning what God has said that we just read in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Okay? He appears to Eve. Now, I want you to notice what he says in verse 1. Right out of the gate, right out of the box, he begins to make her doubt. He wants to confuse her over what God said. Notice what takes place. Look at chapter 3, verse 1, Genesis. And he says to the woman, this is Satan in the form of a serpent speaking to Eve, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Eve, did not God say to you, You cannot eat of any of these trees. You cannot eat of any of this fruit. Did not God say that to you, Eve? Now, God didn't say that, did he? But Satan now is, is, is coming to her and he's trying to undermine the very word that Eve heard God say. God said you, can't, you can eat of all the trees and all the fruit except one. And now Satan is saying, listen, God said to you, you can't eat of any tree. You can't have any fruit. He's, he's sowing confusion into her mind. He's He's sowing doubt. Now look at verse 2 and 3 of Genesis 3. Eve is now confused. And now she's confused and filled with doubts about what God has said. So she is about to repeat what God said, but she is going to add something to the Word. See if you can pick it up. And Eve answers back to the serpent, to Satan, verse 2. The Lord said, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But of the tree, or the, which, uh, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat of it. Nor shall you touch it. Lest you die. Now what's the problem there? Did God say anything about touching the fruit? He didn't say that. God said you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You cannot eat of the fruit of it. You can eat from all the other trees. You can eat all the other fruit. But do not put that fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil into your mouth. Because if you do so, you'll die. And Eve says to Satan... You've got it all wrong. God said we, we can eat of all the trees. We can eat of all the fruit except one. That tree that's in the middle. And we cannot eat of that fruit nor can we touch it. So she's added now to the word. Look at verse 4 and 5. Satan now says to Eve, God has lied to you. God got it all wrong. God is trying to hold you back. You think God loves you, Eve. God's jealous of you. 
He's trying to keep you down. He's trying to keep you under his thumb. Because he knows if you eat of that fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will become a goddess. He'll have a little competition, Eve. Don't you believe God? The serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die. God said, you can't touch it. Go ahead and touch it, Eve. I bet it won't kill you. Now, who said you can't touch it? Eve did. Now, Satan is building on that and telling you, well, you got it right, now touch the fruit. And I can picture in my mind, she touched it. She held it. And she didn't die, did she? And so Satan now says to her, look, God said you're going to die. You didn't die. I bet you can eat it too and you won't die. God's just playing games with you. For God knows that in the day you eat of this fruit, you're not going to die. Your eyes will be open. You will be like God. You will be a goddess. And you will make your own rules because you can know good and evil yourself. You see this, how this worked out? Isn't Satan clever? Isn't he cunning? Don't you see what he's doing here? And what he did then is what he's doing today. Do you understand your pastor? He doesn't change. He duped Adam and Eve then, and he's duping people today. And he uses the same tactics. He calls God's Word into question. He adds to God's Word what God didn't say. He dismisses God's Word as being untrue, as just a bunch of hype, as just a bunch of exaggeration, as just something that's outdated and archaic and irrelevant. He even questions God. He says, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God wants to keep you down. He doesn't want you to be a God. He doesn't want you to be a goddess. He doesn't want you to be smart. He doesn't want you to know more than Him. That's why He tells you not to do all this stuff. That's what He does. People are falling for it today in churches and out in the world just like Adam and Eve fell for it then. As I stand before you this morning, the Word of God is being undermined continually by teachers and preachers and theologians across our country. Infidels and ignoramuses Skeptics and scoffers, foolish and wicked, are undermining and distorting the Word of God. They're cronies of Satan. But also there's another group undermining the Word of God. Distorting it, if you will. Do this. Because I want you to hear who the group is. Well-meaning preachers and teachers 
and churches just like ours. Sincere Christians just like in churches just like this. We're just as guilty many times of undermining the Word of God, what it means, how it should be applied, as all as these others that are working for the devil. How does it happen? Because we do not study the Word of God. We get one verse out of the daily bread. We listen to somebody talk a little bit. We read a book a little bit. We, we borrow from what we may have been taught growing up a little bit. And so we form our own opinion of what the Bible says and how, what it means. And we never read the Bible itself. There is a famine in the land for biblical understanding. And most preachers today, Sunday school teachers today, small group teachers today, discipleship teachers today, and even most Christians today do not know what the Bible says, does not know what the Bible means, and when they quote it or when they use it, they misapply it, misinterpret it, and wrongly conclude it. And one of the things we're going to be looking at over the next six weeks is some of those verses that you and I throw out all the time and it has nothing to do with how we mean it or how we say it. Get it down big, plain, and straight. It is a serious matter to distort the Word of God whether you be on God's side or on the other side. Whether you be a saint or whether you be a sinner. We need to understand what the Word of God says in context. Because if we, don't, if we just pull verses out of the Bible and we use them without keeping them in context, we are creating a pretext for error. And once error starts, it's like a snowball going down the hill. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's why in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, is speaking to a young preacher who's learning how to teach and preach. And he tells him about the Word of God. Now I want you to look at this verse with me because we're going to break it down and we're going to be looking at three words Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want you to look at three words. We're going to look at the word study, the word workman, and the word dividing. Because I hope this will help you and I understand the importance of handling the Bible correctly and accurately, truthfully, as it's meant, not as we intended. Notice the first thing Paul says to Timothy is, you need to seek the truth. You need to seek the truth. You notice the word study, if you have a King James Version Bible, 
That word study is an interesting word. It's a word that was used in mining in that day. Miners would go into the earth and they would dig, they would pick, they would use other means to try to find the diamonds that were in the coal, to try to find the gold and silver that's in the ore, to try to find the precious stones that are mixed with all the other junk. The word study is a mining word. It means to to dig. It means to pick. It means to shovel. It means to search for things that are of value among things that are not valuable. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, we need to have a passion. A passion that creates an action. And that action is, we take our shovel and we go to the Bible and we begin to dig. We take our pick and we go to the Bible and we begin to pick. What are we looking for? We're looking for diamonds of truth in the Word of God. We're looking for gold and silver of truth found in the Word of God. We're looking for precious stones that are tucked away in the Word of God. That's what that word study means. It means a passion. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter says... Babies long for milk. We should long for the Word of God. Proverbs 23, 12 says, Apply your heart to instruction. Listen for the words of knowledge. These verses are talking about a quest for truth. A quest to know the truth that we might be able to apply it to our life and share it with others that it might transform their life. God's Word should be hungered for. Just like we would hunger for a filet mignon steak with a baked potato that's loaded. And homemade dinner rolls with plenty of butter and honey. Just as we should long for a nice coconut cake. I'm out. I'm going to run and get a steak. <laughs> just as we should long for that, there should be a longing here. Not just here, but here. For the truth of God's Word. The diamonds, the gold, the silver, the precious stones of that truth. Do you have that? Jim Elliott was a missionary to Ecuador. He would give his life in Ecuador for the cause of Christ. The Ecuadorian Indians that he went to share Jesus with would murder him. His wife would later go back and she would win those Indians that murdered her husband to Jesus. But when Jim Elliott was in school, he was only an average student at best. In fact, with each semester of seminary, 
his grades were in decline. He went from a B student to a C minus student, and everybody was concerned about it. And he said, you don't need to be concerned about it because I've chosen to take my seminary time and not read somebody else's books. I've chosen to take my time to read the book. I don't care what preacher so-and-so says or theologian so-and-so says. I'm more concerned about what Jeremiah said and Isaiah said and Ezekiel said and Paul said and Peter said and even Jesus says. He said, I did not come to seminary to get a BS degree. I came to seminary to get an AUG degree approved unto God. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're here to do at Miles Road. We're here to to give you an opportunity as God has given you a passion that you want, that you can understand the very Word of God. We're going to help you with that understanding, but you can understand. Because the Spirit of God that lives in you will teach you the Word of God if you'll just go to it. The Word of God is shallow enough for a child to stand in it. But the Word of God is deep enough for the most mature man to swim in it and never touch the bottom. It's simple, it's easy, but it's complex and it's difficult. Paul says to Timothy, study, have a passion for the diamonds and the gold and the silver. Dig it up. That's in the very Word of God you hold in your hand. And then notice he says, workman. Talks about a workman in verse 15. This word workman speaks of somebody who does hard labor. A blue-collar worker who works from his neck down and he does back-breaking work all day. He labors long, he labors tenaciously, he labors consistently. He comes home dirty and sweaty because he's worked hard. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, God gives you a passion if you want it to seek the truth. Go dig in the mines of the Word of God for that precious gold and silver and diamonds and precious stones. And he says to Timothy, understand, it's not an easy job. We don't like anything that's hard, do we? Most of us love steak, but if we have to to cut it up, we don't want it. Most of us like crab legs as long as somebody will crack them and pull the meat out. Most of us like lobster as long as somebody will break the tail and put the meat out and put the butter on them. Most of us like to eat, but we don't want to feed ourselves. Like the little baby, we just open up a mouth, poke it in. 
Paul says that's not how you're going to learn the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God. You can't be lazy. You can't be haphazard. You can't be infrequent. You can't be indifferent. It requires labor. It requires work. You've got to get in that mind. And you've got to work the mind. And sometimes you're going to dig and dig and dig and you're not going to find what you're looking for immediately. But if you keep digging, you're going to find the gold and the silver, the diamond and the precious stones of God's truth. You see, it's work. And most of us, we don't want to work. We don't, we don't cook in the old-time stove anymore. We just pop things in the microwave. We don't go grocery shopping anymore. We go TV dinner shopping. We want everything easy. And easy doesn't help you learn God's Word. It takes labor to read it. It takes labor to pray over it. It takes labor to think about it and, and to reason with it and, and to apply it. It takes a little effort to ask yourself, is there a sin to confess or a promise to claim or an example to follow or a command to obey or a stumbling block to miss as we study these verses? And then lastly, notice the word dividing. Study, that speaks of effort. Labor speaks of hard work. And then dividing. That's an interesting word. It's a seamstress word. It means to literally cut straight. If you're going to make somebody's clothes, you better cut them straight. Amen? Can't have a 30-inch on one leg and a 33-inch on the other. Got to cut straight. And that's what it means. It means to keep things in place. Got to keep the pockets in place, right? Two pockets in the front, two pockets on the back. You don't want to put a pocket on the knee. That's out of place. It means to tie everything together. Once you sew up, once you cut all these different parts of fabric, once you make sure everything is in the right place, then what do you do? Here, Pastor, here's your 19 pieces of pants. No. <laughs> you sew them all together. This is what you get. It's the same with the Word of God. We've got to cut it straight. Got to keep it in place. Got to tie it together. We've got to understand what's on the front end. We've got to understand what's on the back end so we'll understand what the middle means. There's very few verses in the Bible that stand alone. They have a flow that goes with them on the front end, and they have an extension that goes with them on the back end. And that's where we go wrong. We just go plucking verses out. Just like I showed you earlier today. If you just go plucking verses out of context, you can prove any nonsense. And that's why we have many preachers who preach weird things because that's what they do. And then people say who follow them, well, he used the Bible 
He may have used the Bible, but he used it incorrectly. He used it wrongly. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. We don't want to be duped. We don't want to be deceived by Satan who seeks to undermine the Word of God and the character of God. Therefore, we have to become students of the Word of God. We need to study. We need to have a passion to know what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is not true, and how to apply it in a way that honors God, approves, finds the approval of God. And we need to understand this is work. You just can't come and sit in a pew and think it's going to happen. Pastor, I'm going to go home with my Bible and I'm going to put it under my pillow. I'm going to lay my head on it. And Pastor, I kind of believe through the process of osmosis. By the way, Pastor, that's a scientific word. I, I just think it's going to come up through that pillow and go right in my ear and in my head. And Pastor, I really believe, I really believe if I carry my Bible to church real close, And I carry it to church and in church and out of church, real close. Even I might even put it next to my heart. I believe kind of like one of those patches we, we wear for pain. I, I think it'll just kind of soak into my heart. No, it won't. <laughs> Takes labor. Then we learn need how to cut it straight. What, did, what does it say before that verse? What does it say after that verse? What's the context? What's the history? What's the cultural events that make it relevant then and will make it relevant now? It's not just enough to believe it. We've got to believe it in a way that is accurate and correct and finds the approval of God. That's what Paul says to Timothy. You want the approval of God... Handle God's Word rightly, correctly, accurately. Don't allow it to be distorted. Heard the story about a Bible-believing lady who got on a plane and sitting next to her as she was reading her Bible was a smart-aleck college professor. And as she's reading her Bible, the professor looks down and says, Do you believe that Bible? She says, I sure do. Do you believe every story that's in that Bible? She says, I sure do. You even believe that story about the man who got swallowed by the whale, three days later got spit out alive? She says, I really do. He said, let me ask you a question. How could that man have lived? How can a man live in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights? How could a man live in the belly of a whale with all that water in that, that whale's well? How, how, how can a man live with all those gastric digestive juices eating on him in the whale's belly? How could he breathe? with all that junk around him in that whale's belt. Tell me how. And the lady said, well, I don't know. 
But when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. And the man said, well, wonder if he's not in heaven. And she said, will you ask him? God's word is true. But we need to take it further. We need to learn to make that truth accurate, correct, applicable in the right way that it meets the approval of God. My challenge as we kick off this sermon series is for you to come and listen. Because I'm going to shoot you right between the eyes on some Sundays. I'm going to take some of our cherished verses that we throw around to people all the time. And maybe I'm going to show you that we're proper, improperly using them. And I hope that we'll rethink a little bit about things. And challenge is threefold. Number one, would you start studying the Bible yourself? Would you find a quiet time where you not only can pray, but you can read the Word of God. If you need a place to start, may I suggest you start in the Gospel of John. Don't go to Genesis chapter 1. Don't go to Matthew chapter 1. Start in the Gospel of John. If you need a place to start, start in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, and read all the way through at your own pace. Read all the way through to the end of the book. Okay? It's a good place to start. All it takes is a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, call the church office. We'll give you a Bible. No charge. You might want to have a good set of commentaries that you can use to help clarify things as you read them. You don't read the commentary to find out what the commentary says about the Bible. You read the Bible and let the Bible then speak to you more fully through the commentary. There's a wonderful commentary uh, set called Through the Bible by Dr. J. Vernon McGee. You can get the entire set from Genesis to Revelation by one of the foremost Bible teachers that has ever lived for about $60. If you want us to order a set at our cost, our discounted cost, we will do that for you. So you need to study the Bible yourself. Okay, daily breads are okay, reading books about the Bible are okay, but I want you to actually start reading the Bible yourself. If you need a commentary set, let us know, we can get them for you. Secondly, I want you to start studying with others. No man is an island, we're all connected together. So while you're reading the Bible, thoughtfully, prayerfully, daily, seeking to understand what it means to you and what it would mean to others and how to apply it correctly and rightly, I want you to get involved in Sunday school or in a ladies' small group or in a men's discipleship class. Be involved in a group where you can also reaffirm and reinforce what you're learning from the Bible. We've got over 25 ladies' small groups. There is a small group that meets on a day and time that will be compatible to you. All you got to do is call Debbie, and she'll plug in. She'll put you with somebody. 
But we need to be involved. And then thirdly, we need to be not only studying the Bible by ourselves and studying the Bible with, in small group situations, but we need to study the Bible when we worship. I think most of you come and think, it's my job to entertain you. It's not my job to entertain you. I want to make you laugh. I want us to have fun together. And we do. But if all I've done is make you laugh and entertain you, then I have failed miserably. What I want you to do is when you come to worship service, bring this. Open this up. And as I preach, you follow me. If I say something that's not right, ask me about it. I'm, I'm fallible. I make mistakes. But bring your Bibles and check the man of God by the Word of God. Many of you are too far too trusting. I'm not ever going to tell you anything that's wrong. But you need to check me out anyway. Because one day I might be dead and gone and you can get another pastor. And he might not be so nice to you. And he might teach you things that are not correct. And if you're not checking the man of God by the word of God, you'll sit out there and go. Just like they do in many churches today. So come to worship, but bring your Bible. By the way, you'll get 50% more out of the services if you bring the Bible. Because as you're looking at your Bible while you're listening to me preach, you might find a diamond in there, or a precious stone, or some gold and silver. Heads are bowed, Imagine.